Hello and welcome to the Doula and the Midwife podcast with me, the virtual midwife, Karen Wilmot, and Charlene Yarrett-West, founder of Relax Into Birth Online Hypnobirthing. We came together to bring you Relax Into Birth Plus, which is our comprehensive online antenatal course focusing on labor, birth, and beyond, and featuring extensive hypnobirthing techniques, as well as covering the medical aspects of the birthing process. We always have so much to share, and so this podcast was born. And here we are, sharing birth stories, birthing world updates, and we also interview birth workers from near and far. We take the time to answer your burning questions around pregnancy, birth, and motherhood. And as you know, if you've been listening, we also generally have a listener's letter that we answer. And I know that Charlene has got one this week. So Charlene, how are you? And how's your week been so far? Hi, Karen. Hi, everybody. I'm so happy to be with you again this week. It's been a busy week, to say the least. But I was also at a birth this morning. And as always, it's so wonderful to be able to share in such an, a momentous occasion with the family when they become a family from two to three people in their household. She labored beautifully got all the way to eight centimeters and the baby unfortunately got into an odd position and it had to be a Caesar in the end but it was a very positive experience for her and she couldn't be happier with her baby and breastfeeding beautifully so that was my morning <laughs> and you know I think it's always so beautiful and that's so much a part of the doula is helping you to, to navigate those unexpected twists and turns. And it's also a lot of what we focus on in the Relax Into Birth Plus course is understanding the different twists and turns that your birth can take and how to get comfortable with the factors that are outside of your control, like the baby going into a funny position towards the end of labor, which is really something we can't predict. And in many ways, we can't really prevent it either. But you can still have a really positive birth experience despite that because you're part of all the decisions that are made and you really understand it so it's not so necessarily true. about where the baby comes out or the mode of delivery it's like the process of birth exactly it's the process of birth and it really is helping you navigate the whole birth experience no matter what turn it takes and that's also what hypnobirthing does for the process is helps you to be calm cool and collected and accepting of whatever turn it takes and understanding more about birth and the processes and the options helps you to also be assertive when necessary so that you aren't taken for a ride you know for your birth experience you know what you can ask for you know what you can say no and yes to you understand the processes involved. And then Absolutely. that means that you will be at peace with whatever turn it takes because you know in your heart of hearts that it was a necessary turn, it was a necessary cesarean. That's what you want from a good, positive birth experience. Love that. Mm. Love, yes. love, love. And so our letter for this week Ooh, comes tell from... Tell me, tell me, tell me. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> comes from Elle in Cape Town and she says dear Karen and Charlene I've just finished your course Relax into Birth Plus and I loved it by the way but I have a few questions about pain relief I've been thinking about how labor will be 
and if I will cope. I've heard that epidurals are amazing for pain relief, but I've also heard that they can have an adverse effect on the baby. Is this true? What options do I have for pain relief? And should I opt for an epidural? From the course, I learned about having a doula present to help with natural forms of pain relief. How do they compare to the big guns of epidural and pethidine? What other options do I have? I think I have a high pain threshold, but my husband thinks that I will be begging for an epidural from the get-go. I'm hoping to prove him wrong, but I also have no idea what to expect. Thanks for your help and for the course. I learned so much. Oh, I think it's lovely that she did the course. Yay, I know. And I also love it that even though she's done the course, she's still, you know, I was talking today about curiosity. And a lot of what we want to do is turn the fear that surrounds birth into curiosity. And that's exactly what it's done for her is that even though she's gone through everything, she's still curious about how she's going to respond. And now she understands what her options are looking at what she thinks might be the best for her. So that's great. I'm so glad that she's asking the questions. So I think her biggest concern really is around differentiating between the medical pain relief options that are available, being the pethidine injection and the epidural, and then the non-medical ones, like her partner support and massage and water and hypnobirthing and touch all of those things and possibly still needing to work with either her deeply held belief about pain threshold or possibly her partner's deeply held belief because actually she's feeling quite positive but it's her partner who is suggesting that she might not cope which can dent your confidence and maybe he needs to do a little bit of work around that as well. It's the same as if you're in the hospital room and making a lot of labor noises and a well-meaning midwife Mm. comes in hospital midwife and says oh shame are you not coping with the pains it doesn't Mm. look like you're coping with the pains Mm. (laughs) which and they're trying to And then dangling an epidural as a carrot, like Mm. this will take it all away. But actually, she's just making those sounds as her coping mechanism. It doesn't mean that she's not coping because she's making those noises. The pain away. No. I mean, an epidural does, but that's not necessarily what everybody wants because when you understand that there's meaning and function to the sensations of labor, and you know how to work with them, then taking it away actually takes away your feedback mechanism. Now you don't actually know when your body's having surges and how your baby's responding. And because you're not feeling it, you're possibly not moving into positions that will facilitate the progress of labor and will create space for your baby to move down. And I love the way you say that actually, when we talk about how hypnobirthing helps It's about exhausting your own resources and all the non-medical techniques because there's so many more of those than the medical ones. And staggering them. So when you arrive at the hospital, you don't just go straight for an epidural or go straight for the bath. You really go slow. So you see where you're at. So if you're around three centimeters, then maybe 
a little walk around, a massage, even something silly like watching a funny show or making really crude jokes can get the oxytocin, can get the endorphins flowing. And endorphins come from also from laughing and being a bit lighter about the situation. So then you might feel less pain if you can do it that way. So you start at the bottom, you stagger it. You start with very low forms of pain relief. And then you build upon that. Maybe if you need a little bit more than a massage with coconut oil or carrier oil, because you don't want to put essential oils on the, on the laboring mom. It will be too overwhelming for the baby when it's born. So just carrier oil massage. And then if that is not enough, then we go and we find if we can use a shower and the pressure of the water on the back. And then maybe after that, there's a bath. We can try the bath. We can combine, use a handheld massager in the pool while she's in the water. We can use gas. Maybe we wheel the gas over to the water. And hopefully by that time, with maybe little walks and naps in between, we would be at about eight centimeters. And hopefully then birth is just around the corner. But we're not saying that epidural is off the list. Definitely not. It's still one of the things that we can use. Definitely. But there's a window of opportunity for an epidural. And there's a time where it really works well. And it's important to understand that in order to have an epidural, you need to be in an active labor pattern. So you need to be having regular rhythmic and fairly intense surges in order to be able to have, like if you come in in really early labor and the the surges are still irregular and not very strong, the hospital staff are not inclined to call for an epidural because they know you're still in early labor and what could happen is that it actually stalls or stops the labor so you need to be in an active labor pattern for the epidural to have an epidural anyway so it's important that you know how to use those non-medical techniques to allow you to get into active labor and as you say to use them at a staggered pace because very often what happens is that without needing to those are so effective that by the time you're ready for the epidural it is already at eight or nine centimeters i think it's important to note that very often in the hospital situation the staff use the word too late and that can be very discouraging especially if you don't want to be too late you know you've been thinking like Elle is thinking about what her choices and options are and she doesn't want to be told that it's too late to use the epidural if she was quite keen to use it so firstly i would love it if hospital staff changed the wording and said you know you're almost there and It's not that it's too late, but you really are. Everything you've done up until now has actually got you to the point that you need to be, your baby is going to be born really soon. And very often that's because they've used that staggered approach and they've literally used all of their natural and non-medical resources to manage the sensations. And it's fabulous because the reason they are at that point where things are feeling a little bit intense is because they're moving into what we call transition. And transition is a really intense time in your labor anyway. So more than anything at that stage, it's when the staff and the doula and your partner and everybody really comes back and is fully present and just reminds you 
that everything you've done up in Smile has got you there. We've just got to keep going and just keep doing that. And more than anything, it's actually a mindset and a mind shift that you have to make because internally you're thinking, I can't do this and I've reached my limits. But that's when you have to really dig deep for those resources and realize that you actually are stronger than you ever realized you are. And that you can do it. That you can do and it. The wording is so important. It really does affect how she feels about it. Because you don't want to, you know, if, if you, you can get so stuck with those words. I waited until it was too late. It's too late. It's too late. And now what am I going to do? Now what am I going to do? You, you feel like then you don't have a choice. And all you need is, is a midwife holding your hand and making eye contact or a doula and saying, actually, you're there. It's You're around there. the corner. You've made and it. You, you did it. Yeah. And you feel so awful right now because it's around the corner. I mean, I've had I've had one woman in transition wanting to leave the labor. She started getting up and packing her things to go after she'd sworn at her husband and sworn at everybody, actually, and just started packing, you know, and then I had to take her by the shoulders, look her straight in the eye and say, girlfriend. We're on this train together. I'm not going anywhere and you're not going anywhere. The baby is waiting for destination. We just got to finish this now. And we did. I wanted to laugh because where is she Well, going? you know, that's actually quite a going? common response. <laughs> it is. I've, I've also had it with several, you know, I've seen it several times where they literally get up and start wanting to just leave or go for a cup of tea or something and I think it comes back to what I call the D's it's that despondency and that desperation that's that point and you just say okay that's it I've had enough now I'm out of here so <laughs> actually you do just need the that person the you to say yes girlfriend come on we can do this and yeah. it's just reassurance just that we've mirroring her and reassuring her yeah. so mirroring her that Yes, this is the hardest thing you've ever done, but you're also doing it. So encouraging at the same time. Yeah. You definitely do not want to be told it's too late because that is so defeatist. And actually, I've been at a birth where they have administered an epidural at nine centimeters. So it's never, it's never actually too late. No, and you know, very often what actually happens when they are, you know, when those words are used, it can have the opposite effect and stall the labor then because as we said she feels like there's no she's completely out of options it's too late for the epidural i've run out of all of my other non-medical ones that are just not working anyway because at that stage she really is you know really desperately looking for something else and what happens is she gets into this loop where the labor actually now does stall and does slow down so two three hours later she's at exactly the same place as she was three hours previously and then an epidural is justified so, so it's such a head game and also the anesthetist may not be in the area and can take up to 20 to 30 minutes to come yeah. through sometimes yeah. even longer if it's not if it's during rush hour so there's a definite wait unless there is an anesthetist in the hospital at the time but sometimes there isn't because it might be at 2 a.m in the morning so that wait could mean in that wait you have your baby and then the, <laughs> the anesthetist comes there in a bit of a huff and you've already given birth 
So that does sometimes happen. And that's sometimes why they say, sorry, there's no time, because they know they'll be calling the anesthetist and he'll arrive and your baby will already be born. He or she will you want arrive. To, you want to also have things to use while you're waiting. It's perfectly within your right to have your epidural whenever you want it. But it's better, obviously, from active labor onwards and to exhaust all your natural forms of pain relief and to maximize gravity to bring your baby down. Because once you have the epidural in, even though we can put you up at a 45 degree angle, it's still much better to make use of stronger gravity. And absolutely, it's right. And understanding that in an epidural is amazing technology that we have got. And it does make you a very passive participant in your own labor because one, you're unable to move around. So you've taken away the gravity. And two, because it's a medical intervention, and we are using medication, it means that we have to monitor you a lot more closely. So you're going to be confined to the bed. And I know there are walking epidurals, but we still need to monitor you a lot more closely. And usually once you've got an epidural, whether it's walking or not, then you're on a continuous CTG so that we can monitor baby's heart rates and how a baby is responding to the surges. And we need to check your blood pressure because the medication that we use in an epidural does tend to lower your blood pressure. And most of the time you're unable to feel that your bladder is full. So you also have a catheter to continuously be draining the urine out of your bladder, which is also quite uncomfortable. So just being mindful that you have IV therapy, a catheter, and continuous monitoring that can also hinder your ability to move around and can be quite uncomfortable as long as you know that and you know that it is a, a medical intervention that does open up the possibility of other medical interventions. Because if you can't feel anything and the labor is slow or stalled and not going as quickly as what they'd like in a hospital situation, because you can't feel anything, it's justified to give you synthetic oxytocin to speed up the labor. But very often the net result of that is fetal distress. It's important to know the benefits and drawbacks of an epidural uh, so that you go into it informed and aware of what's going to happen. Because I think very often if you're uninformed about an epidural, you think, great, this is like the best thing ever. The only thing that you know about it is that it's taking away all sensation but you don't understand that it does mean you can't move around, that you're limited in your ability to respond to what's happening and that you will be hooked up to a lot of machines. And it also means that when you are pushing your baby out, it is staff-directed as opposed yes, to so mother-directed pushing. And that's it ups your one. chances of needing an episiotomy or tearing or vacuum delivery, that's instrumental delivery. Yeah, yes, the way that I usually explain it as a bit like when we go to the dentist and you have an injection in your mouth and then you try and drink a glass of water and it just kind of dribbles out you know how to drink you know where your mouth is you know how to swallow but your mouth is numb and you're unable to swallow correctly and when you it's have an epidural you know how to push because you do it every day when you go to the bathroom but you can't actually feel what you're pushing. You can't feel what's happening there. So you have to be told what to do. And that takes away a lot of your autonomy. And have you found in your experience that it makes the babies a bit more sleepier? There's been an epidural running. And they definitely are affected by these two things that they are. They can be, they're either sleepier or it can cause fetal distress. 
And the other important thing is that um, if we preload the mom with a lot of fluids, which very often we do before the epidural, you know, like you said, sometimes it takes anesthetist 20 to 30 minutes to get there. We know that. So before he arrives, we put the IV therapy up and we run some fluid through because we know that we want to load her up to make sure that there's not too much of a drop in blood pressure. And overloading fluids also impacts the breastfeeding relationship and the baby's weight loss. Sure. So those are other things that we need to take into account as well. I didn't know that. Sure, that's so interesting. So I wanted to read something about pain versus suffering. Oh, please do. I love that one. Although pain and suffering often go hand in hand, a long labor does not have to cause suffering. For example, the pain people feel with working out or hiking uphill is not suffering, nor even is the pain of a broken leg for many people. Suffering is a psychological state. In other words, things like helplessness, anguish, remorse, fear, panic, or loss of control that may or may not be associated with pain. Most women today are expected or even pressured to have an epidural in labor because influential people in their lives equate labor pain with suffering. While an epidural eliminates sensation, including pain, it does not address fear, worry, loneliness, helplessness, or other emotions that lean to distress, dissatisfaction, or even suffering. To prevent suffering, women need more than just pain relief. They need to recognize that labor pain is a side effect of a normal process, not a sign of damage or injury. They need a sense of mastery and well-being as they respond to their pain. But they also need humane, caring, confident people giving continuous support throughout labor. Women need to feel nurtured and soothed in a peaceful and safe environment and no ways to respond to surges, which empower them to cope well with the pain and remain calm and confident. I can't tell you how much I love that. Every single word. It makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. And I think the big takeaway for me is that epidural cannot eliminate anxiety, worry, fear, tension. In fact, labor brings all of that stuff out. And it's not always the worst thing to face these things. It's almost like an opportunity to face the issues in your life, which you've hopefully worked through most of them in your pregnancy using hypnosis, using the hypnobirthing technique, seeing someone talking about your worries and your fears. But labor also brings these things up and makes us face them so that we can go through one of the biggest transformations in our lives. Transcendent. It's the potential of transformation that labor brings. It also speaks to the suggestion of, of suffering that we spoke about earlier, and that the common belief and expectation, specifically in a hospital birth, is that, they, that labor is painful, and that it's about suffering, and that the staff's role is to relieve them of suffering. And it's a suggestion yeah. of suffering that makes that, fortifies that belief. When actually so, you're just being your primal animal self, groaning and moaning and roaring your baby out in your way, 
It doesn't indicate suffering. It just indicates a process of birth. We are all capable of asking for assistance when we need it. And when you go into labor and birth prepared, like Elle is doing, she knows what is available and she knows that she's able to ask for assistance when she needs it. And she also knows that she has created a team of support around her and what that support looks like. She's asking, should I opt for an epidural? We can't tell her the answer to that. She has to see on the day. And what I always tell moms is that if you're on the fence about an epidural and you're in labor, you say, oh, I think I want an epidural or oh, I don't know, I think I want one. Then no, no, you don't need an epidural. You're doing so well. You're breathing beautifully. Let's do the next one together. As opposed to stuff all of you, I don't want to hear another word about anything. Want this epidural now. So she's got clarity and she wants this epidural now. Then, okay, then yes, let's get the epidural. It'll be the best thing right now. So then again, the mirroring of the mother comes in where you're watching the signs and how she's doing and how she's coping and how can I help her through this? She's crystal clear about having an epidural and that's what we mirror to hers, helping her. And there's so many ways these things unfold as well, you know. Um, I've also worked with women who've been absolutely clear that they want an epidural throughout their pregnancy and that's part of their birth plan. It's part of what they want. They're certain about it. They know the, the, the drawbacks and they're okay with them. And I always encourage them to learn those other techniques because I think it's important that you have some of those things up your sleeve, one, to manage with early labor, and two, to be able to cope in the event of an epidural not being available because that does happen every now and again. So I always encourage them to do that. But so often those are the women who actually labor really well really smoothly really quickly because they've moved beyond any fear at all in their head because they know they're going to get that epidural and then i assist them in early labor with all the non-medical stuff do that same stacking that you talked about and before you know it they're ready to push and they're like oh i haven't had my epidural yet i'm like well this baby's (laughs) about to be born well done to you. And, and I've had one or two have actually been quite disappointed. They're like, oh, I really want a baby jewel. And like, well. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it can work both ways. But at the yeah. end of the day, it comes back to the fact that it's a mind game. And that's why hypnobirthing works, because we're working with a mind. Everything that happens in the body starts first in the mind. And also to remember that when you're actually pushing your baby out, it's a different sensation to when you are having the surges. Yes. So suddenly it feels constructive and it feels good to push as opposed to when you're only having surges and they're coming quite intensely and regularly up until 10 centimeters. It's actually quite a relief when you finally have something to actually do with the surges because throughout your labor, all you can do is breathe through them, sit in the water, have someone rubbing your back, whatever but you're managing them by the time you get to the baby ready to be born. Now you can actually do something because now you can push. And just one more thing I wanted to add that when you're writing your birth preferences down, your birth plan, your birth preferences, your birthday wish list is a better way of putting it because you don't always get everything you wish for on your birthday, is to put in there that if you want pain relief, you will ask for it. You don't want to be offered 
continuously, you know, by someone well-meaning. It's better to be, to ask for it yourself when you've got that clarity of mind to ask for it. Absolutely, because if you're offered something when internally you're feeling like you don't need it and you're offered pain medication by someone who is an expert in the field, like a midwife or a doctor, and you think, well, they do this all the time. If they think I need it, maybe I do. And then it kind of knocks your confidence in your own ability. Yeah. Hoping. So I think we've answered Al's question. So. And of course, Al, you're in our WhatsApp group. So thank you for sharing that because it is a common concern. If there's anything else, we'll see you in the WhatsApp group for any questions you might have. Any listeners, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. So send us your emails. Make sure that you subscribe and rate and review the Doula and the Midwife podcast. It'd be wonderful. The more subscriptions and reviews that we have, the easier it is for other moms to find it. So if you're enjoying it and you think your friends will enjoy it, please share it with them. Thank you, Charlene. I hope you have a beautiful rest of the week. Thank you so much, Karen. I hope you do too. I hope you don't have too many births up your sleeve. <laughs> one birth at a time. Only one baby at a time. Yes, that's all we can do. And we are running a 24-hour flash sale for our Relax Into Birth Plus course as well. So don't forget about that. Starting on Saturday morning, 7 a.m. South African time, we are slashing 50% off for 24 hours to celebrate our collaboration. And so don't forget to like and subscribe and share. And we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.